Hello, and welcome to our latest episode of Certified Fresh. I'm your host, Z-Mania. This is another great show this week with two long-term line drivers providing insight into areas that are important to the company and their own business. First up, Jason Nida comes on the pod to demystify the headquarters team. Jason helps break down the key functions of the team and how that group is working to drive growth across the organization. We also talk about how they build strategy on an annual and continual basis and how we've grown relationships with key distribution partners. He also answers the age-old question of, how come items aren't added to Distributor X now? And how the Field and Sam team can work together to accelerate our growth. In our second segment, Laura from Texas, then Georgia, then Florida, and now Texas again, shares some insight into the importance of using what she thinks is the most critical part of the Sandler system, the upfront contract. I'm not teasing any more than that, because the story is just too good. And now, enjoy this latest episode of ZF. Sit back, turn up the volume, and stay fresh. All right, our next guest joining us is a man who has had a wide variety of roles at Line Drive and truly excellent history of being here at the company. Uh, he's a legend, uh, maybe in his own mind, but he's a legend to all of us. Uh, he is the Director of Program Management, Mr. Jason Nida. Welcome to Certified Fresh. Thanks for having me, Z. Glad to be back with you. Yes, this is good. I'm excited to to get you on the the pod today. Um, One, because you've got some really great insights and and can share some of the uh, roles that you've played and and what you and and the team's working on. But I think there's also uh, a good opportunity to clarify and and get a little deeper into what goes on in the magical headquarters world. So um, It's a mystery. It is a mystery, and that's why we're here to solve. That's (laughs) That's what Certified Fresh is here to do. We're trying to demystify all of these roles that happen, um, that's not your own. So um, speaking of that, I know, you actually mentioned brought it up the other day because you hit a uh, banner milestone this year of years with Line Drive. I did, yeah. It's been uh, 15 years. I just celebrated 15 years in April. That is awesome. Congratulations. It's great. It's a great run. Yeah, thank you. Talk us through, a, what's the history? 15 years you didn't start leading the the HQ team, so where do we where do we come? The humble roots of Jason Nida. Yeah, I started uh, running our territory. So I was a territory manager uh, at the time. I think that's what the title was: running Michigan, Northern Indiana, and a um, little part of Ohio as well. And then from there, uh, I was actually our regional sales manager for the East. Regions looked a little bit differently back then, but I, I ran our eastern region for a, a period of time. And then we had, and Z, you reminded me of this, we had our manufacturer management team, which mm-hmm. I, I forgot about, but, you know, we all divvied up our clients and, um, you know, we each had responsibility for the corporate relationship uh, for, I don't know, I'd say five or six clients each. Um, so I was part of that before Kristen made that a full-time role and took that team on. Um, and then from there, moved into the Fastenal headquarter team. So working with Jim Stringini really closely. Uh, and that was my first entrance into uh, the HQ piece of the business. Shortly after that became one of the C-share owners. So fortunate there. And then, um, yeah, um, a few years later became program management director. And the one thing we, I, I forgot to touch on that, you know, everyone gives a hard time about the vast number of us who have Granger backgrounds, but I believe you came from a, maybe a Granger competitor before line drive. I did. I did. I remember having a little friendly banter with you as I was coming in for an interview, too, because um, I, I worked for Fastenal for eight years um, before coming to Line Drive. So good industry experience that gave me a good kind of foundation coming into this. Yeah, that's awesome. I think it's interesting how, the, you know, as it was mentioned today on the company call, how um, you, know, you never know who you're going to like, <laughs> who you're going to meet again in our relationships or where you're going to work. Um, I also note that this is the second Michigan territory manager I've had on the pod. So, um, LJ, get your uh, get your vocal cords warmed up. <laughs> we got to repeat. So, um, you know, I think it's an awesome run, and it's another example of you know you being someone in our business who's who's very well rounded and has seen you know carried the carried the bag as the term you know worked with manufacturers and relations and 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 use that to to help our team drive at at the headquarter level. And uh, as we get into this, I want to start. I think the best place to start because I get to ask this a lot is we have 
program management and we have business development managers. Who does what and, and what's that look like? Can you help us demystify those roles? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I think it's a great place to start to, you know, if sort of take a step back from that, if I had to simplify our role at HQ, um, very simply put, it is to do two things. One is grow our existing base of business. So we have clients we represent within distribution. We have goals identified for each one of those. Uh, and that's our first objective, grow that business. The second role really is to expand that base of business. And this is where we can start talking about things like blue ocean. You know, where do we have client relationships um, overall with line drive, but not necessarily within a certain distributor. Okay. So maybe it's, um, um, it could be Hubble and we don't have responsibility at motion or Fisher. You know, we would start looking at those like blue ocean type opportunities and, and then expanding the base uh, and expanding the offering within a distributor. So, you know, that, that's a really simple way to look at it. It's certainly not easy to accomplish those two things, but that's basically what we do. So, you know, if I were to break those down a little bit further on the, the, and I'll get to your question here in a second on biz dev and program management, but um, growing our business first, we have a, a, a philosophy. We, we speak to it commonly in terms of like having a push-in strategy and then a pull-through strategy. So where we have existing business, um, the push-in is more the program side of it. And that's all about making sure we have contracts in place, making sure SKUs are active, the content uh, is rock solid. So we look better at our competitors, uh, making sure we have marketing collateral that's telling a really good, compelling story. So when it's in front of an end user, you know, it, it motivates them to buy. Um, if we can get inventory in, making sure we have the right SKUs in place and making sure that it's in the right places, pricing is competitive. Um, you know, all the things that I like to think of it as setting the stage for the field seller. And it could be our field seller. It could be the distributors. It could be the manufacturers. Just making sure whenever we're in front of an end user, we already got what we need. The foundation is built, so there are no roadblocks in front of us. We don't have to worry about, you know, I, do I have inventory? Do I have access to this product? Um, is it going to be competitive? All those things should be taken out of the equation so that it, it makes that interaction a lot more successful with the end user. So that's, that's program uh, in a nutshell. And then business development is taking that foundation um, and getting it in front of the sales leadership within distribution, making sure our team is aligned to the right sellers within distribution, um, and really going after the largest opportunities we have available to us. So we're not spinning our wheels at some of the smaller uh, opportunities and running around branch to branch trying to find opportunities and build relationships, but doing whatever we can to tee up things for the field seller and we're putting them in play in, in the right spot so we can be really impactful in that way. Okay. No, that, that's great. I, I, I like that part about removing roadblocks and, and looking at, at that function and, to your point, making sure that as much as possible we have all the right things in place to get that final sale out uh, with, with as little resistance as possible. So you, you've, you've talked these two different, uh, I don't say two different approaches, but two complementary approaches, and um, it sounds like there, there's been a little bit of change going forward in how we look at the HQ and, and the roles in the team. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's been an, an evolving change, I'd say, over the last year or so, probably less, but um, historically, we, we divided those functions up. So we had a program manager at each distributor, and we had a business development manager at each distributor, and they would perform two separate functions uh, based on what I just described. But we've created a more hybrid role where each person is doing both of those things. So as you look at the business, you figure out what you need to grow, um, you're going to tackle that yourself. Not that you're not going to lean on your, your counterpart for help uh, or others for that matter, but it is more of a hybrid role. So you will look at your program. If, if, um, if you're managing at air gas, MCR, um, you know, Doug is going to look at, okay, do I have the right program in place? And now how do I um, help get it in front of the right users and, and build out that pull through strategy? No, I think that makes a lot of sense that if you've got one manufacturer at that distributor, like focus, hyper-focused on this, but you know, where does it make sense to spend my energy? Do I need to spend more time on a, you know, a corporate-wide marketing program? Do I need to spend more time on setting up additional products, getting that right mixing, getting stock? Or am I okay there? Let's really focus on a national customer or a uh, vertical selling segment or whatever that looks like with that distributor. 
or a balance of both, I guess. So. Yeah, and each one is going to be a little bit different, just depending on you know how um, how established they are within the, each distributor, and just the I guess the life cycle of the relationship. Okay, interesting. Um, no, I think that's cool. I, as we we go forward and we, we continue to evolve, and I I would say that's sort of a theme at Line. I shouldn't say sort of. That is a theme at Line Drive that we're continually looking at how we're how we're uh, interacting or how we're going about our business and figuring out ways to be more streamlined, more efficient, and probably more effective. Yeah, absolutely. So you talked about a little bit uh, about my my favorite term, blue ocean. Um, I, I love blue ocean, and I'm like on the island somewhere, sipping a mai tai. It's great. Um, but that's that's my that's my vacation, just like fantasy, like getting back out. Um, high level. Let's talk about annual plan because th- there is a significant amount of effort um, internally on the team as well as with our manufacturers partners to to build that annual plan and build that business plan. Can you share with us a little bit about the factors that you look at on an annual basis and how you build those out and what it looks like? Sure. Um, so let's talk internally first. You know, we we identified growth drivers for each of our clients this year, right? And where we're going to focus energy. And that's where the HQ team started as they started their individual distributor plans as well to make sure we were in sync from top to bottom. Um, We didn't set one priority with the client and then, you know, the account team is trying to accomplish something different. We wanted to make sure we were in sync there. Um, So that's where we started. We said, what are the, the areas I'm going to focus on within this distributor to really drive growth? Um, and that, that's something that each team spent a fair amount of time building out and collaborating on. Um, and then it's something we, we review every month too. So this became our guide throughout the year, our roadmap on how we were going to hit our number. Um, so we do that every month as a team, we come on and, um, you know, we'll, we'll just highlight, okay, as a reminder, these were our priorities. This is where we're focused. Here's what I did over the last 30 days to help us get one step closer to that or close it out. And here's what's coming up. Here's what needs to happen in the next um, 30, 60, 90 days to make sure we stay on track with these things. So um, it's, it's been a really refreshing uh, addition to the HQ team, having those calls and having that tool because it, it does keep us focused in the right areas. It keeps us you know, accountable to ourselves, accountable to each other, um, making sure we're, we're continuing to press forward. And there's been a lot of really cool collaboration as we go through these things too. I think every segment, you know, the team comes on and Tracy and Kelsey will go through Valen. And there have been questions from the other team saying, hey, tell me more about this. I didn't think about that. Uh, I want to call you offline to talk more about it. I want to learn more. I think and I can Im- implement it somewhere else. So uh, a lot of good learnings and, and dialogue going back and forth amongst the team. Oh, that's awesome. So, so that's part of it. So there's the okay. client focus areas that we established as a as an organization, then we've got the, um, you know, the overall account plan. And then beyond that, we also have individual plans by client for each distributor. So we know what the growth number is for DuPont at Granger. Uh, we have a business plan built out that we'll sit down with the DuPont team and the Granger team to say, all right, here's the number we're going after. Tell me what are the top two, three, four focus areas we're going to hone in on to make sure we hit that number. So it's just taking it one level deeper and getting a little bit more specific about how we're going to get there. And the business plans that I can share with anybody who wants to see it, you know, that it's not uh, war and peace. This is just a high level guide to say, all right, this is where we're going. These are the main things we're going to do to get there. And then everything else really is tracked through pipeline deals. So we're working our pipeline just like, uh, you know, the field team or anybody else in the, in the organization that's where we're keeping track of our opportunities. Okay, interesting. Uh, you know, you talk about working with the manufacturer and the Granger team. And when you say the Granger team, I'm thinking, like, Granger, do you meet with the distributors and share, you know, here's what we're working on this year. This is how, how can we collaborate? I don't, I don't want to say that the distributors are, are protective or, or secretive, but at the end of the day, they also have growth goals and we need, need to help them meet. So is there collaboration on that side? Yeah, there is. Absolutely. And the more we can do that, the better, because, you know, we talked about accountability earlier and that just adds another level of accountability. So you got three parties coming to the table within the business plan. Each party is playing a role. They have certain things that, you know, they agree to. And um, if we come onto a, a review call and it varies by program, but let's say it's every 30 days, if you get uh, a distributor coming on that didn't do what they said they were going to do, um, they feel it. 
and they don't want to be the person that comes back on the following month that again, didn't do what they said they were going to do. So as long as we can keep the dollars in front of them, so we know what we're striving for, we understand what's at stake. And by not doing what we said we were going to do, you know, these dollars won't come. Mm. Um, you know, it, it paints a really clear picture on why it's important that we hold up our end of the bargain. So there's that three-way accountability and, um, stringent type of term, uh, the, three-legged stool of accountability had to get that in there Got it. very excited <laughs> for that that's really what it is that's yeah. true that's, that's interesting um yeah i would say also from that i imagine like as you go through the year there's some tweaks to what is the priority and you know as we learn different information probably reevaluate um what's realistic and what's you know i don't say time bound but what, it, what you know what can happen in the time versus what can't yeah absolutely and you know here we are we're we're getting Q1 numbers now and we're looking at it. And um, while we're not happy with where we are, we understand why we are here. And this is a perfect time for us to go back to those plans to your point and say, all right, do we need to adjust anything? Um, do we need to pivot in any way that would help us hit our number um, at a greater likelihood? So um, we are doing that on a quarterly basis. And, you know, just because we said this is what we have to do at the beginning of the year when we started our planning or at the end of last year, it doesn't mean it has to stay in the plan. If it no longer makes sense or it's no longer a viable option or opportunity, um, we're going to move quickly. Yeah. So I, I, I love this week at line drive mainly cause it's got my own information there and, and who doesn't love seeing my, my cool, uh, uh, Cardi Z as we've described it. Um, but you know, I, I say that cause at the top is Deborah's got the, um, you know, focus areas update. And when you click into the focus areas document, there's a, there's a lot. <laughs> um, sometimes yeah. it seems that it's not focused, but then when you actually break it down about who's responsible and what's doing it, 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 it definitely becomes a little bit clearer. Uh, how much input does your team have on this? Is this something that comes directly from manufacturers or are you all contributing and, and um, helping build that roadmap? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was involved pretty heavily building that out from the beginning. Um, so we had a team of people really from each department. We had some representatives there to, to give input on what we thought was going to help, uh, you know, accomplish our number. And, um, it's something that we review every month. Um, and even smaller teams meet more frequently than that. Sometimes every other week, just to make sure we're staying on track with all those, cause there's a lot to manage. But, um, when you look at the document, it, it seems overwhelming, it looks like a lot of new things to do, but in most cases, they're things we were already doing. So it, it's not like new expectations are put on everybody. It's more about just pulling it all together in one concise place and, and understanding big picture. Um, you know, how are we performing to the things that we agreed to? Awesome. Oh, that, that's cool. That's good to know. Um, one of the things, you know, we talked to Mike and it, last week or last episode, and Mike was talking a lot about expansion and trying to get more manufacturers in. And um, I, I know I get it a lot, especially from some of the newer people who, who get confused out in the field. And it's like, well, why don't I have this manufacturer with this distributor? And how do I do this? And uh, I'm assuming so everyone knows that there is an element of your, I don't say business plan, but like what you're measuring to as far as expanding our manufacturers across all distribution. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. And it, that goes back to blue ocean. Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, a little bit, you know, as far as the, 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 yeah. the higher level blue ocean strategy. Yeah. We've got a very clear picture um, of where we do and do not have representation within distribution. And, you know, we've got, um, we're not attacking all of them at once. Frankly, there are some on there that we don't want to have responsibility for. If, if it doesn't make sense and if it's going to be an uphill battle, uh, if it just doesn't fit the distributor's business model or how they go to market, you know, we're not going to go after it because it'll just be us spinning our wheels and we'll have to invest a lot of energy with really little return. So uh, I guess an example of that could be like um, Hubble at Fisher right? They're, they're not an electrical distributor. So yeah. how much energy do we want to spend uh, trying to get that responsibility, getting Fisher to add them as a, uh, a supplier and um, bring in inventory? It's going to be a constant battle. So we're going to, we're going to look elsewhere where we, we can have a greater impact. All right. That absolutely, absolutely makes sense. And you know, thinking about distributor, their own focus. Um, although it, there's also times, uh, I know you mentioned uh, a win that Doug had with WD-40 where the distributor was like, man, we're not really, they are not a seller in that category. It's like, mm, no, but you are, <laughs> you should be, you know, here's, 
Right. Yeah, but, that's another good example. You know, that, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'll just say, you know, I think when I talk with, from our team, uh, or from my side, when I'm working with new manufacturers, you know, a lot of them helping them craft a story to, to tell your team and the, and the field team is saying like, hey, distributor, you don't have this product, but like you have these customers and they use this product. They're just not getting it from you. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that, that's a lot of, um, we add value in that way across the board. You know, our distributors lean on us to be the expert with our clients. Our clients lean on us to be the expert of the channel uh, and bringing that expertise to them, showing them what they're missing out on by not focusing on this category or adding a certain product. Um, you know, it, it can be eye opening for them. And that's part of the role we play. No, that's great. Um, one of the things I hear similar to that, you know, maybe not, you know, why don't we have Motorola at, you know, Valen, but uh, one of the things I hear is like, why isn't this product category set up at Fastenal? Why, how come at MSC, they don't have any inventory of this? Can you talk a little bit more, um, you know, give some insight on why we just don't have everything set up everywhere? Yeah, uh, gosh, it could be uh, a number of reasons. Some of it, frankly, is just timing. Uh, it can be a long drawn out process to get product added within distribution. So, you know, if you're seeing something that isn't set up, uh, I would say don't assume that it is in process. Please drop a note to the appropriate person at the, at, uh, you know, on the HQ team. Let us know that you're not seeing it and you would like to see it. It, it could simply be a, a new SKU that, um, you know, was, was not set up yet. So we want to, we want that feedback for sure. Um, some of them, can literally take six months to enter a new product into their system. So we're at the mercy of the distributors data team in a lot of cases too. So um, that could be it. Right. I think it's probably key to understand that each one of these distributors has a similar type process, but how they do it and when they go about it and what their strategy is, is, is varied greatly. Yeah. And we try to, um, streamline it internally as much as we can. And Arnacious does a great job of this where, you know, if she starts a part activation for a new fluke product, as an example, at Granger, she's going to reach out to the other teams to see, hey, do you have a need? I'm going through this already. I have the data. Should I start the process uh, at other distributors as well? So that's something that she um, she's taken on and has really done a good job with. The, the other part that we want to look at too um, so the next step really is data and content, um, making sure if we're going through some enhanced content projects with certain distributors, well, we've got that content now. Let's roll it out to the others as well. Also, I'd say some of it probably depends on distribution strategies. And I know in my time of, of working on the HQ team many, 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 many years ago um, that, you know, one of them distributors I worked with at the time was very much an expansion strategy. It was like, give us everything. If you've got 40 different products, we want to set all 40 up. Let's, let's do this. And then seeing it a few years later, it's like, whoa, we're going to eliminate, you know, 30 vendors out of this category and come down to three. So I think that sort of, I would assume that plays a part in what their addition strategy is, the placement strategy is. Yeah, absolutely right. Absolutely right. And, you know, I know you're going to ask about some roadblocks and things. That's one that comes to mind um, they definitely operate differently today than they did, let's say, 10 years ago. Um, they are more selective in who they partner with overall, and then getting uh, approval to load certain products. Uh, like Granger has gone through a process recently where um, you know you really got to sell it more uh, and tell a story as to why they should add it and what the return is going to be, et cetera. Which you know they're they're making smart decisions for their business, but certainly puts the burden on us to explain um, or to sell it, I guess, and, and get it loaded. It's not just selling it in the field, right? You know, you have old sales. That's right. So yeah. talk, talk to me about that. That's actually, uh, you know, we, we've brought in a few new manufacturers over the past year. And uh, for most of the ones that we've added, they have not had a presence in our large industrial partners. So wh what's the message when you, how does that process work? And, and uh, is there a way to leverage line drive to, to get the placement of these manufacturers? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when we bring on a new client, our first order of business is getting our arms around what does current state look like? So are you doing any business with them today? And if not, um, why not? 
Is there any history there that we need to be aware of? Any relationship issues that we should be aware of? What does the category look like overall for the distributor? Is this a, a focus area for them or not? Uh, and if not, how do we get them to, to shift some attention? You know, the WD4 year, I guess one is a good example. Uh, you just, you got to build the story um, through fact finding, understanding what current state is, and that helps build out your message and, and your pitch essentially to the distributor. And one of the things they're always going to ask is, okay, I understand what the market is today. How are you going to help me grow it? Um, mm. And the line drive piece is a big part of that. And um, having that industry expertise, you know, depending on who it is, having a field team that can go out there and get into the right end users to help with the pull through, um, you know, having inside sales is a, is a key component. And we, we speak to any lever we can pull or any lever we're, we're willing to pull um, that's part of the pitch. Interesting. It, it, it seems as if, you know, when we talk on the field, we talk about value add and the solutions and bringing solutions to the end user. And um, part of the thing I coach is a lot of is helping them understand what they don't know. And it, it sounds like there's some of that with the distributor that, hey, you know what, I've had Gatorade and Squincher forever. And yeah, that's my category. I got, I got hydration. We're done. And, and for, for your team to come in and say, you know, you've got some really old technology. You've got, you've got old stuff. Um, let us talk to you about the sword difference, right? I, I'm assuming that that's a, a pretty big play of, of our value of showing them new and better and updated uh, products. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I mean, a lot of times the, the pitch you're giving in the field is pretty much the same pitch we're giving at the HQ level. Um, be some different elements to it, but it, yeah, it's the same message. Yeah, that's, uh, it's not that different, right? It's, you know, this is the value. This is, you've been doing X or you've had X for so long, here's what you need. Or maybe you haven't done anything. Maybe you haven't done hydration. Instead, you're just seeing, you know, people pass out all the time. Hey, maybe as a distributor, you haven't done hydration. You're seeing sales pass out. I don't you're, you're missing out on yeah. that there. Um, I also think I, I would, do we help them, you know, as far as like verticals or are getting deeper into categories? Is that, is that something your team focuses on? Um, well, tell me more. What do you mean? I don't, like we bring on some new manufacturers, uh, and they're specific into like an industry, like construction or um, you know, mm. uh, food processing or whatever that is. Are we working with the distributor? Say, hey, like we need this product to, uh, you need this product to to better carry your message, and and see be seen as a player in that vertical. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and, and a lot of times we're opening their eyes to those types of things too. If they're if they're pigeonholing a certain category with a certain segment and not understanding how it would fit elsewhere. That's part of the education process. We'll go through with them for sure. Oh, that's awesome. It it really is great to hear how, you know, the the message is similar and it targets a little bit different audience, but you know, we are trying to add value in in bringing that in. Um, I want to touch a little bit deeper. You mentioned about part of the program pitches that the distributor is asking you, in your team, like, hey, what are you, what are you guys going to do to drive this and bring that out? So that, that, that's interesting that it, it's the combination between HQ and field that is going to get a lot of these programs placed. Yep, yep. And, you know, we've been fortunate enough to get recommendations from distributors for new clients because they know what impact we can have in the field. So um, yeah, it's definitely a differentiator for us. No, that's great. You mentioned earlier... Um, some of the changes that have obviously happened recently as far as roles and in a year prior as far as business planning for those who haven't been around for line drive for a while can is not rehashing everything but giving some of the highlights as you've seen this this team change and some of the things that they've done and you all have done to be more effective and, and, and more impactful yeah I'd, I'd say the business planning process is one of those things um, you know we focus in on three main areas within that uh, we, we have plans built out <clears throat> excuse me, for the program management side of the business. We have a sales element, and then we have a marketing element. So um, that's one thing that we've implemented over the years that has really just helped clarify us and keep us on track um, throughout the year. So that, that has become our guide and, and helped us quite a bit. And then, you know, structurally, we went through business development, program management, and I'll bring that back into to one role, I think makes a lot of sense. It was good that we, we tested the water, so to speak, because we see the value of the, the business development um, function, but then also had some inefficiencies in the way we structured it before, too. So being able to, to play both, both roles with each person on the team has helped a lot. 
Yeah, I would say that's probably, in my eyes, the, the, the biggest change uh, is just the business development aspect of it, period. You know, where we were five years ago to now, understanding that that's, it's more than just getting the product set up and priced and on the web, that there are corporate, um, to use a Jim Stringini term, there's corporate levers that can be pulled uh, in order to, to help, whether it's marketing, whether it's national accounts, whether it's um, specialists or, or, or you know, uh, vertical-based teams, that we can, we can use those corporate relationships, uh, I'm using air quotes here, those corporate relationships to drive field behavior and, and, and how we get engaged with the product at the end user level. Yeah, it, you know, thinking of the past, it, all the decisions were made by the product management or product development teams, and that's not necessarily the case anymore. A lot of those key decisions on who they're going to partner with and who their primary suppliers are and um, you know, who they're going to bring into their largest users, that's all coming from the sales side of the business. So um, business development plays a key role in putting us in the right places to, to you know, be influential with the actual decision makers. That's definitely a shift that has occurred uh, mm. within the industry. Yeah. So we, I mentioned, you know, field and, and you know, blending the two, right? Um, what do you see your team, how, how do they partner best to, to help the field drive sales? Um, yeah, it's being entrenched with the leadership from whether it be safety specialist leadership or uh, integrated leadership, government sellers, construction teams, being the the liaison and the link between the sales leadership and then our field team. And I know um, there's been a lot of really good collaboration as of late on that side of it. Uh, like Kelsey, for instance, she's running a program right now where she's hosting calls between some Ballon integrated sellers and our team. So she's taking the initiative to, to make that direct link, make the introductions, um, and then passing the baton and really doing whatever she can to, to help put them in the right spot. So, um, yeah, yeah things I don't like, know if that answers your no, question. That, that does. I mean, it's, it's a good look. And I know there's others with, you know, whether it's helping to uh, make a program easier to buy or it's working with a national account person to say, okay, look, we've, we've seen some success at these different sites. Let's go elsewhere. Let's drive that uh, somewhere else. Now, flipping it, turning that backwards, there's 30 plus people that are out on the feet in the streets, if you will, um, what can they do to help your team out? And by that, I mean, help line drive out. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. So a couple of things come to mind. One, as you look at our, our client priorities or the objectives that we laid out, um, execute to those, stay close to those. And if you start, you know, veering off from that or getting pulled away from that reset, um, but keep a, a crystallized vision on those things. Um, the other thing is just communicate with us. We want to hear about the wins, the losses, the issues you're having. Um, anything we can learn from you on things that are working or not working on the field, you know, we can make adjustments along the way. So we want to hear about all that. Um, so yeah, don't hesitate to reach out. I think of um, information gathering and how do we weaponize it? I like that term. How do we weaponize it to get big wins? And um, I've had some recent interactions where I'm hearing end users saying, hey, corporately, we have a goal of X. We want to reduce energy consumption. We want to reduce waste. We want to uh, be more green. We want to reduce accidents. Um, I, was at, I was at a customer where they had five amputations last year. So hand safety was important to them. But when you're here, and, and that was one location of a larger piece. And so I think it's important important that when you capture that, you're using it locally, but really funneling it up so that Jason or Al or Malcolm or, or Kelsey can take that and, and go back to those corporate account people or uh, the distributors in general saying, hey, we know that food processing has a uh, energy reduction across the board. We're hearing it from every one of our food processing thing. Let's p- make a push to that. Let's make a push to that user. Let's make a push to that whole segment with marketing and web materials. Um, yeah, there's definitely a, a, a lot of information that uh, we hear day to day that we need to socialize and we need to, to, to kick it up. And you've got teams to leave a note. You've got text. You can always pick up the phone. I know it's dreaded phone calls, but give someone a call and have that conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So looking uh, into the future, I always like that the future look five years down the road and if you put your little uh, magic hat on. Uh, where do you see this team going? Where do you see the, the HQ going? How are you going to continue to evolve? Yeah, um, 
the first thing that comes to mind is just expansion of the team. Uh, you know, on strategic accounts, as we grow, we're adding resources, just like we did with Fastenal recently, Trevor coming on board. Uh, as we continue to grow our business within each distributor, I see each of those teams expanding as well. So good opportunity for growth if you want to think about it that way for internal line drivers. Um, you know, as we grow, obviously, it opens up some positions like that. Key accounts, I'd say the same thing on key accounts. We want to grow with some of those up-and-coming distributors so that we can put more resources behind it. Um, and then e-commerce, um, e-com, we're going to be scaling up quickly there with Amazon first and building out the, the overall offering. But then there are plans to, to broaden the scope of that quickly too and work with other platforms. And with that, you know, we're going to need headcount as well. So we're going to be adding people and resources to e-com too. So the, the, some of that is growth is what I'm hearing. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's cool. That, that's awesome. I, I'd love to hear that. You know, I, I think we see, we've seen that in the past years, you know, our relationships at uh, Valen and Fisher and motion and MSC and air gas, even, even Granger fat. We've, we've just become deeper integrated and having more contacts and more uh, programs there. Obviously there, there becomes a need for more people to help manage all that. Awesome. So we kicked it off talking about your 15-year anniversary. And so as I ask everyone, um, give me, tell me about your favorite line drive memory. Oh, uh, <laughs> that, so, that, that, is, that is safe to air. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if these are my favorite memories, but certainly memorable. So let me tell you two quick stories. Sure. Two stories about when I thought I was going to be fired. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, um, all right. This is this yeah. is an interesting place. I'm I'm here for it. The, the first one was pretty early on in my line drive days. Um, you know, my wife was pregnant with our first child, and um, I was setting up for a show at K Tool. So, Mike Hildebrandt will really appreciate this story. He knows what I'm talking about. Um, I'm I'm doing this show set up, and it was a weekend show. Uh, it's Friday afternoon, and I'm going through and setting up the booth, and I get a call from my wife, and she says, you know. I think things are progressing. This might be it. So I'm like, oh my gosh. All right. I got to wrap this up. I get out of there. I had a contingency plan in play with Chris Tag um, and our sales support person at the time. Like, all right, if she goes into labor, I'm going to call you guys and you'll cover the booth. Well, nobody was picking up their phone. Like nobody responded. <laughs> so my wife is going into labor and I've got nobody to cover the show. And obviously, you know, she's having a baby. I'm not going to the show. Um, but our booth went completely unattended for the entire show. Um, I get a call from Bob Geisinger Monday morning saying, where the hell were you? <laughs> um, so no nasty uh, calls from my boss saying you're fired for not covering that show. But um, I'm glad I think, I think you picked the right priority. I think you, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Leah, I, I understand you're having a job. I, I got to go work. I got to stand at a table. Sorry. It seems like... Great. Good luck. Send me some pictures. Yes. Um, yeah, so then the other one, gosh, it still brings back bad memories. You know, you remember the times where we were doing these Menards contractor days, oh, yeah. um, and I was uh, outsourcing this to one of my distributor contacts, so paying him um, to attend the show on our behalf. Well, we had uh, a couple instances where somebody was a no-show and just some incidents happened, and they take these things pretty seriously. You know, if you don't show up, you get fined, and you, know, you, you kind of get called down to the principal's office. Well, I hired somebody to do this show, and he was a no-show. And this was like in a series of events from other bad things that happened with Menards. And um, I got a call from Stringy just fuming because um, my guy was a no-show. So I thought, all right, well, I just started working with Jim. I'm freshly on the HQ team, and I guess that's the end of my tenure as line drive. <laughs> but um, we got through it. Uh, it's, my takeaway from this is don't have Jason be responsible for trade show booths or, or uh, you know, tables at distributor <laughs> slash retail vendor fairs. Is that like the, um, is that the strategy where like right. the, da the dad yeah. pretends to not know how to change a diaper so then he never has to change a diaper again? <laughs> is it that, that's where my head was at. No, Brian, I'm not admitting to that at all. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, um, 
Awesome conversation today. Uh, really appreciate your insights there. Team, uh, I stress this pretty much with every guest that if you want to get to know Jason more, uh, he's always a phone call away and love to share uh, and love to hear your ideas and insights. You know, it's, uh, as he talked about, it's a very growth mindset, both from employee counts, but also just how they're looking at the business and, and finding new tools or ways or insights to help us grow. So Jason, thank you for everything you do. It was great catching up. Yeah, thanks, Steve. This was fun. All right, my next guest, uh, longtime line drive fam, Laura Nardone, strong, certified, fresh listener. Love the uh, love the feedback on the pod. So, welcome. Thanks for coming on. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me today. So, one of the things here, you know, we like to, to share these stories. And we like to talk about successes and, and where people are winning, and, and that's great. That's that's cool. We we like that to to fuel that. But sometimes, maybe even better than a success is when we have a learning. And we take uh, we take those lemons and turn them into lemonade. And having some conversation with Laura, she had shared with me um, a, a good learning that she had in her market, and uh, I thought it was a great story and uh, a way to reinforce some of our uh, Sandler learnings and teaching. So I wanted to turn it over and, and, and have a little conversation with Laura about what she learned on a very hot day. Great. Thanks, Brian. So my story starts with my relocation from Georgia to Florida. And so I was about six weeks into living and working here when I got a call from a Granger account manager asking me if I was the person that does the ladder inspections. And of course, I was very excited and said, yes, yeah. that's me. I'm going to do a ladder inspection. <laughs> Already getting the brand out. You're like, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So anyway, um, it was with Florida Power and Light. So of course, that piqued my interest because that's a very large electrical provider down here in the south. And of course, I wanted to get into that account as soon as possible. So we set it up. Uh, we set it up for an early morning so that uh, we could kind of beat the heat. Mind you, it was probably uh, end of April, beginning of May. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we set up the appointment and he and I arrived together at the site and we met the safety manager and, um, you know, we talked about where the ladders were and, you know, how, how do we access them, et cetera. So the day begins with that meeting and the Granger guy telling me, He'll be back in a little bit. Yeah, I guess, he had to I guess go some take care of some care care. business. Well, I, I do think the one thing, they were nice that they consolidated all the ladders in one place, correct? Right. They did. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, as didn't surprise me because I've had Granger account managers leave after, after they <laughs> sure. get the location. So oh, I got anyway, to touch um, this. No, I'm good. I got to get some emails in the car. I'll be back. Exactly. So he left and the safety guy proceeded to drive me in a golf cart about maybe a mile, maybe a mile and a half back. It was a um, power generation station. So uh, the little safety office was at the front, and the warehouse where the ladders were at was about a mile and a half back um, on the property. So we get there, and he says, okay, well, there they are. You know, I've got most of them set up, and it was probably 60 to maybe 80 ladders. Yeah, so I thought, okay, well, I could probably do this in a day. I felt pretty confident. It was early, and uh, so, and probably maybe 30 of them were set up. So I thought, okay, you know, 30 are set up. That's half the work. I'll get this done. So he says, Hey, uh, you know, I'll be back in just a little bit, you know, check on you. And I said, okay, great. Yeah, I'll get started. And, uh, he said, okay, be back. And he took off in the golf cart. I do believe he, he left you at least a bottle of water, right? Well, he did leave me a bottle of water. That's curious. right. He did. He did. And so anyway, long story short, uh, you know, I didn't think to say, hey, well, where's the where's the restroom? Where's the, you know, where's is there an office out here? I mean, <laughs> how do I, you know, what if what if I need to get in touch with someone? So anyway, needless to say, there was no facility and uh, no way to contact him. So I go about my day. Uh, you know, it's starting to get hotter and hotter. It, it is a pavilion type storage area, so there is a roof over my head, but the temperatures are rising uh, hourly. So anyway, I guess it gets to be around noon um, or around the lunch hour and I started thinking okay well he'll probably come check on me for lunch for sure you know around the lunch hour. You would think so. (laughs) Exactly so I just kept counting ladders and you know things were going okay and so as as the day progressed I noticed my water bottle was getting you know more and more empty and so 
I, I thought, well, why? Why isn't this guy coming to check on me here? So I, I wet the bottom of my shirt with the water because I it was getting so hot that oh, <laughs> I was afraid I was going to run out of water or have a heat stroke. So I soaked the like bottom of my shirt with a little bit of the water to keep me cool. <laughs> and so, again, the day goes on. I continue to drink sips of the water to try to stay hydrated, keeping my mind focused that I'm going to get these ladders counted. And it goes on and on. The day goes on and on. So finally, I guess it's like around five o'clock. And I'm thinking, you know, oh, because you can't have your cell phone. Right. I, was so, like, oh, I, right, I didn't set that up because, yeah. because it's a, a power generation facility. They left your cell phones in the office a mile and a half away. Right. So right. I'm sorry I left that part out. So <laughs> when I first got there, I left my briefcase. I said, hey, you know, do you want me he says, well, no phones. I said, okay, great. And I said, I'll leave my, can I leave my briefcase here? He said, sure. So my phone was in my briefcase in his office. Oof. So anyway, here we go back to 5 p.m. And I start thinking, okay, you know what? I think I'm going to have to walk up there. So unfortunately, I didn't finish the ladders because there's just too many of them. And I kept feeling like I was going to pass out. So I was <laughs> and I kept getting weaker and weaker as <laughs> the day went on. <laughs> so anyway, no, uh, no sword for me that day. So anyway, we I finally decide I'm going to make an executive decision. I'm just going to walk up to the walk up to the place. I knew how far it was and uh, so I just started walking. And I just kept walking and finally I did I think it probably took me over an hour to get up there. And the only person up there was the security guy in the little shack <laughs> at the front. <laughs> just empty a ghost town. And I said, where is everybody? And he said, oh, they left. (laughs) I said, oh, my goodness. I said, listen, I've been back there. And then I realized this is not the guy to vent my case. So I said, listen, I need to get my phone and my car keys are inside this guy's office. You know, I need to get in there. And he goes, oh, I don't have the keys. And I'm like, well, we need to get the keys because... You're like, like mama's about to pass out. I've had no food. I haven't gone to the bathroom. Like, no water. Right. So anyway, long story short, somehow the guy comes up with the keys. He he gets some from, I don't know, some other person came and and he gave him the keys. And we got into the guy's office and I got my stuff. And I said, what happened? So anyway, needless to say, long story short, the next day, like at 5.45 a.m. in the morning, I get an email from the contact at Florida Power and Light saying, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I am so very sorry. So his son had got hit in the head with a baseball and it had actually had passed out and had been taken to the emergency room. So he bolted out of there right. and completely, he told me, I completely forgot you were on site. We don't have visitors that often. I am so very sorry and on and on. So needless to say... He was so apologetic. I mean, and, that's great. I, I, I'm glad that he like sat up in bed at 5.15 in the morning. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> that line drive woman is still counting ladders. Yeah. So needless to say, I told him I'd be back out. And he said, oh, I'll be here. I'll be here. So anyway, I went back out and worked maybe about a half a day there to finish up the ladders. And so the long story of the short is I did get a $10,000 ladder order out of it. But the real important story is never underestimate the importance of an upfront contract right i wasn't thinking about water i wasn't thinking about restroom i wasn't thinking about communication i mean so you never know what could happen that's a classic i guess uh you know mutual mystification when he says i'll be back and you're thinking okay maybe like in an hour maybe two hours not Never, and I get that it happened, but probably it's good, like, to your point, know where the facilities are, what to do, how to get in contact. What if you had an emergency out there? You know, you're all alone in this this shelter. Is there a box you can call? Is there someone nearby? You know, that's exactly. good. But having that upfront contract and even just, you know, uh, uh, I guess rules of engagement is so important. And, and I, I, I So like important. That. Yeah, now, he was so apologetic, and I mean, I guess a ten thousand dollar ladder is a good good thing, but it's a good it's a good, is- it's a good trade off for potential dehydration. <laughs> but so really? so, what's running through my mind, and what's got to be running through else's, everyone else's mind, is where's the Granger rep? Never came back. Just, Just was like, I'll be back, and then never came back. So he never found you. Nope, never came back. He couldn't, the next day, he was like, "So how was it? How'd it go?" I was like. I'm going to kill you if I ever see you. <laughs> Don't put that on tape. 
<laughs> right. But I think, I'm assuming you use this for some leverage to get maybe some additional accounts from him. I hope you felt bad. Oh, yeah. I, I, I did continue to work with him, believe it or not. I just did never, you know, accept to leave, have him leave me by myself. So. Right. No, no more, no more riding solo with this guy. <laughs> no, and... I hate to say it, but he's no longer with Granger. Well, probably maybe it's for the best. You got to be a little courteous when you when you're partnering with your vendors. You want to make sure that they're not like abandoned in the hot sun. It's kind of that's like common courtesy. I would say I usually travel with a cooler, with some you know <laughs> drinks in it, with some water, maybe a Snickers bar, maybe a bag of chips or something. I, you know, not a I'm bad idea. It. Like yeah, you have a little backpack. Not only does it have like your inspection tools, but also like some chips and some sword. So from now yeah. on. I'll always, never do that again. Always be prepared, but I can't believe you told me this story. And I, oh, wow. It's just like I can't believe it's stranded out there for eight hours. I think it would be my worst nightmare. I mean, not my worst nightmare, but very close. Yeah, it was pretty scary there. It's touch and go. As the day got on, it just kept getting warmer and warmer, and I realized that is all I have is what's in that bottle of water. And I just, I don't know, I just pushed through, I guess. Uh, I, I'm in, like I said, I'm impressed that you made it that whole time without eating, you know, one bottle of water, not using the restroom, walked the mile and a half plus back. So uh, heroic effort by Laura. But again, great teaching there that make sure, you know, let's not assume, let's make sure we have them clear ground rules, clear upfront contract before we do uh, these services. So thank you, Laura, for sharing. I know that it's great. Um, and uh, also proves you'll do anything to get that order. And I love it. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> thank you. Well, that's our show. Another fresh look into the workings of Line Drive. Thank you all for listening, and thanks to Jason and Laura for joining us. Hopefully, you learned something new about Line Drive, our HQ team, and how to avoid getting abandoned. Seriously, that story is equal parts horrifying and hilarious. I ask that you subscribe on your chosen platform, smash that like button on Teams, and of course, reach out with an idea or topic that you'd like to know more about. And honestly, tell your Line Drive counterparts how much you enjoy listening and learning with me. And if you don't, keep that to yourself. Certified Fresh is a Line Drive production. Recording comes from our Carmen Studios with guests from far and wide. Your host and executive producer is me, Brian Zamania, and our technical producer is Amy Struckmeyer. <laughs>